Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. What is the church and what isn't the church? Why does the church exist? How does the church function? What is the connection between a Christian and the church? Dr. Edward Mickey Klink shares his story and addresses these questions and more. We pause here to remind you the reason we have the Good Life program. Well, dear friend, is to share how the love of Jesus makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Christ so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope. What does that hope mean? Well, Dr. Mickey Klink will share what it means in his life. And it is our prayer that if you haven't yet done so, that you would open your heart to Christ. Turn from your way to God's way. Receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And if you already know the Lord, well, this will be a time of sharpening, renewal, and encouragement. Dr. Mickey Klink is the senior pastor of Hope Church in Roscoe, Illinois. He received his bachelor's degree from Trinity International University, his uh, Master of Divinity and Master of Theology degrees from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and his PhD in New Testament from the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. He's the author of several books on a range of topics, including biblical theology, the Gospel of John, and the Church. His recent book, The Local Church, What It Is and what it, Why It Really Matters to Every Christian. He'll talk about that today. He is married to Laura. They have three children, Jacob, Benjamin, and Ruth. Pastor Mickey, welcome to our show. Thank you, Dr. Danny. Great to be here with you. Mickey, where did you grow up? Grew up, uh, born and raised in northern Illinois. Uh, the church I'm pastoring now is on the in the northern suburb of Rockford, Illinois. Uh, so just a few minutes uh, south of the Wisconsin border, about a little over an hour, hour or so outside of Chicago. Um, raised by a single mom, no dad, no other siblings, and uh, very much thankful for the raising I had, even though there were some difficult, difficult years there. Who would you say influenced you most in your growing up years? Well, the re- the reality for me is that I was we lived my my mom and I for a good chunk of our of my early years lived with my grandparents and uh, my the influence of my mom and my grandma kind of like Timothy how he describes uh, Lois and Eunice were very very significant in my life and and I. I had that that lack of a dad in my life, and I felt that severely. And it was actually the the lack of a dad and the message of the gospel 
specifically at a, at, a, at a retreat camp up in southern Wisconsin called Timberley when I was in seventh grade, where I learned about the category, a gospel category of God as our Father, that had a revolutionary impact on my life of understanding Jesus and Christianity and my walk with God. But it was for sure the influence of a mom and a grandma that had a huge impact on my young life. Were you involved in sports in those early years? Yeah, I was. I, um, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big guy, and I was a good athlete, and I ended up having a huge influence in my life uh, from playing football. In fact, I was given a scholarship to play football at a school called Trinity in North Chicago area, and the head coach was a guy named Leslie Frazier, who is a fellow Chicago Bear uh, football player, and currently he's the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. He offered me a scholarship to come and play at Trinity, and again, another male model impact in my life that as I was this kind of broken 18-year-old kind of wrestling with who I am and what the Lord was going to do and how to apply the Christian faith to my life, it was the example of a very well-known, currently very influential man named Leslie Frazier that had a huge impact on my life. You, you write in your book about Leslie Frazier challenged you. You also write in the book, and I'm thinking about your mom and your, your, your mother, your grandma, about a man by the name of Mr. Sherman. That's right. Would you share right. that story of Mr. Sherman? Because I know we're going to come back to the point that you made in the book. But would you say more about what happened? Yeah, as I was as I was a young young boy, I felt that absence of a dad, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and and it, it was just it was just it was just relevant to me, right? And so the there was there was a powerful example that in my life, this was middle school, junior high boys basketball, end of the season party. The coach was going to have a pizza party, and he invited dads to come, and it was going to be a father-son scrimmage. And I'll never forget when he, we were dividing up teams, he kind of divided the dads to try to make it even, and then he had the sons go to their dads. And there I was standing on the sideline with no dad to go to. And I just remember putting my head down and feeling this, oh, I just want this moment to end. In fact, I remember even mildly arguing with my mom, I didn't want to go to this father-son party. And she just encouraged me to go. And I'm thinking to myself, I shouldn't have come. I shouldn't have come. And out of the blue, Mr. Sherman, who ran a local grocery store in our town, uh, without me realizing it, had walked over and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, Coach, I think I've got a, an additional son today. And I just remember him squeezing my shoulder. And for me, being a seventh, eighth grade boy, huge moment where I felt overwhelmed by this love that would later make sense to me as the uh, an example of the adoption of God the Father for all of us as children. Uh, but that was very kind of a pointed moment for me where I began to see the ways that we as the church should be caring for brothers and sisters and caring for orphans and widows. And I was one of those. And Mr. Sherman exemplified that in my life. I'll tell you, Mickey, when I read that, I, I, I could feel the hand on my shoulder, mm. and, and it brought tears to my eyes as I read your words. Your journey to Christ, as you talk about the adoption, as you talk about grandmother, like, like, like uh, 
how would you describe your faith journey? Yeah, I mean, I, the the theme of God, the fatherhood of God, is is kind of a a theme that runs through a thread that runs story. The absence of a dad, uh, the belief in the gospel. As a young age, I remember sitting with my mom and grandma on each side of me, just as a young boy. I mean, six, seven years old maybe, and hearing about the reality of Jesus and not wanting hell, but wanting heaven, simple understanding. And then it was that seventh grade winter retreat at Camp Timberlee in Southern Wisconsin, where we, I went to this camp and I was thinking tubing and snowball fights. I was not thinking that God was going to use that moment to, to, to change me. And the speaker that particular remember his name, don't remember his face, but I remember his message clearly. He spoke about the fatherhood of God, and it felt like my chest was being ripped open as the categories of the gospel connected with my own life situation and some of my own needs. And I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but I asked my counselor or chaperone from our church if I could go down and speak with the speaker afterwards, and I went down, and I remember speaking to him and having my categories opened. And I'll never forget when I walked outside and I heard the screams from the tubing hill that I was about to go to. But I looked up into the sky and the southern Wisconsin cool night with little snowflakes coming down. And I felt like I connected with the creator more because I understood the role of God as father. And my own life saw this desire to minister in God's church, the church that has ministered to me, all these different individuals, men and women who've cared for me over the years and my mom, um, but also wanting to participate in that ministry and mission. Um, And so my own feeling of pull to ministry, even at a young age, is connected to my own work of receiving God as Father and my own appreciation and gratitude for the gospel. Hmm. Well, the Lord called you to the pastoral ministry. He also called you to serve in the academy for, for many years. Where did you meet Laura? Yeah, Laura and I met in... In college, we met in um, our freshman year of college. We were both students at Trinity. She was from Southern Wisconsin, EFCA, pastor's daughter. Um, and we we had some of the same classes together. And I uh, was drawn to her passion for ministry and for life. And and uh, we, we, we ended up getting married in 1999. Interesting side note um, that's relevant in in my life um she was my wife laura was just diagnosed in december with als lou gehrig disease so even as we speak now our family is going through a radical hit in god's perfect providence that we don't fully understand or see the mystery but our my wife diagnosed with als which is a terminal illness that uh, gives, gives, she's given two to five years of life. We, we just found this out December 2nd, 2022. And we have just been reeling with that and trusting in our sovereign Lord to say, here's this marriage of ours that's gone on for 23 and a half years, ministry together. She, we, we were in Scotland together when I was in school, and we have three kids. Our youngest is only a sixth grader. Um, so we're, as a family, wanting, number one, to say, Lord, you are that caring father who cares for the helpless and, and, the, and the broken. You hear the cries of the afflicted. We trust in you. We also know you gave us a church that is necessary to minister, not just to 
my slowly weakening wife as she deals with ALS or me, uh, but also our children who need the family of God to minister to them. So even in reality of writing a book on the church or trying to be in pastoral ministry, we need the church and we need to be ministered to, uh, especially in this moment now. You're listening to Dr. Mickey Klink. Dr. Klink is a senior pastor of Hope Church in Roscoe, Illinois. He is speaking about what is happening in life right now. His wife, Laura, in December, being diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. They are going through it in this moment, and he joins us to speak to us heart to heart. My friend, as you and I, as we have this privilege to talk with with Dr. Klink, as he opens up, is your heart open? Is your heart open to what God has to say to you in your moment, in your challenge? You're going to hear more from him as we share in this time together. You can find out more about Dr. Mickey Klink at uh, Hope Church in Roscoe, Illinois, H-E-F-C dot net. Again, that's H-E-F-C dot net. When we come back, what is the church free movement? What does de-churching, duns, or unchurching mean? What is this growing movement in the local church today? Pastor Mickey Klink was born and raised in nearby Rockport, Illinois. He's the author of the book, The Local Church, what it is and why it matters to every Christian. Stay with us. We'll be back with more. Wandering the road of desperate life beneath the barren sky leave it to me I'll lead you home Jeremiah 33.3 says call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, you will receive a letter updating you on some of the -the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you.
You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. As Dr. Mickey Klink and his wife Laura, they go through a time where she has just been diagnosed with ALS. They are seeing the local church, their church, the church they pastor the local church in action, but what is? What is the local church and what isn't the local church? How are we to respond to the local church? Where are we in the local church? This and more, Dr. Mickey Klink, his book, The Local Church, What It Is and Why It Matters to Every Christian. Mickey, what is the growing, quote-unquote, church-free movement? I'm talking de-churching, duns, unchurching, these words associated with that. What are we talking about here? Yeah, that's a good question. There has been a growing movement of people who are unhitching, detaching themselves from the local church, from organized religion. I mean, it's not its not just a, a, a few small individuals or people. It is, it is an intellectual movement even. I mean, there's a, there's a book by an author named Kelly Bean called How to Be a Christian Without Going to Church. And there's numerous examples of writing and teaching that tries to encourage such a thing. grows from a lot of different things are into highly individualistic, uh, kind of democratic, consumeristic, free enterprise culture, uh, a kind of spirituality that disengages from a healthy vision of how God designed the church and how he designed the world and the nature of it, or even just like lesser language rather than ecclesiology of the church, just healthy community is seen as the equivalent, like as if church is just the same thing as rich community of friends and accountability rather than the church being its own distinct sacred institute that God designed. But for all those reasons, I felt like I needed to define the church, and even in the book that you've mentioned, not just what it is, but what it isn't. You talk about, you say straight out, the church is not, quote-unquote, coffee with friends. The church is a volunteering society. What are problems behind assumptions that undergird this, quote-unquote, church-free movement? Yeah, I mean, one would be just that reality that the church, according to Scripture, is a sacred institution that can't just be replaced with other forms that might exhibit similar behaviors or offer similar benefits. Just as the family is a sacred institution, it can't be replaced. That lack of having a mom but not having a dad, like you can't replace that easily without 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 some kind of dealing of loss. Um, so to, when, when, when I use categories like the church is not a metaphor, I'm saying the church relationship with, between Christians' friends and practices through which Christians grow. Or when I say the church is not coffee with friends, I, I, I'm ultimately saying that the church is more than just any intentional spiritual activity that Christians might do together. It, it, it might include those things, but the church is actually a sacred institution that can't just be replaced, and we, we, need, to, we need to try to restore that from a biblical perspective. You, you talk about Isaiah. You write about Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 7, and Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. 
How do these verses, these passages, speak to us about the purpose of the church? Yeah, that, that Isaiah passage is interesting, and, and I, I gave kind of seven definitions of what the Bible, big picture Bible story would say about the church. Isaiah 43 reveals how God actually pleasure in creating a people for himself. It's not like he needed us. He was lonely. He needed the fellowship or he needed workers. He could have had angels do whatever he wanted them to do. He doesn't need me to preach or, or any of us to run our ministries. He finds pleasure in having us participate for his own gain and glory. And that Ephesians 2 passage is even interesting. It's this image of God building the temple, which is this church, this gathering of God's people built upon the apostles and the prophets. And what's interesting about that is when you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, again, thinking of the big Bible story, Genesis 1 and 2 reveal that the purpose of the created world was that God was creating a temple to dwell with his people. You get to the construction of the temple later in the Old Testament, it's actually mirroring the construction of the world in Genesis 1. And when you get to the end of the Bible in Revelation, you're seeing it's this cosmic temple where God dwells with his people. So the church is this inbreaking of the actual purpose that created the world. So to think that that would be unnecessary or could just be uh, reduced to uh, coffee with friends and not this unique thing that God designs and he sets the template for is to really misread the whole biblical story. How does, how does the word glory relate with this? Yeah, God, God says in Isaiah 43, he says, you are precious in my eyes. He goes, I love you. I created you for my glory. And God's glory is the fullness of who he is. The, the word means weight. So he, the, the full capacity, something we can't even fathom. We, have no, we don't have the pay grade to grab that. But that means church is a means, a, a, a significant means in all the created earth where he declares his glory. Think about just little aspects where his word is revered, where his laws are obeyed, where the union midst a culture of diversity and, and, and lack of harmony and fighting and wars find a unification in this gathering, which is what the word church means. Church means the gathering, those called out from all the nations come together. That's a beautiful image, and it reflects God's glory, his goodness, his purposes, and even his provisions. His glory, his purposes, his provisions. Mickey, you talked about adoption. You made general references to that, particularly as we talked about your upbringing without a father. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned your coach, Leslie Frazier. You mentioned Mr. Sherman. Biblically, how does the word adoption relate with the church and how should christians respond yeah the the, rea the reality is from the beginning of the biblical story i mean it's not even just one or two verses although there's many of those as well but in the biblical story after humanity failed and sinned against god god starting in genesis 12 said he was going to create a people for himself that would ultimately encompass all the nations. And thereafter, after Genesis 12, when he talks about his people, even the Old Testament, Israel, he, is, he calls it a family. They are kin, a, a kin group. And that just expands in the New Covenant to this, all this language of God is our Father and Christians are brothers and sisters. So the local church 
even though we're inclusive of people from every nation and every culture and every language group, a local church is an embassy of the family of God. And that reality is so significant. I think of my own family now dealing with the reality of my wife's ALS diagnosis and seeing already key men in my son's lives, a key woman in my daughter's life, key sisters in my wife's life or others involved caring for me. Like that is what siblings do. That is what the family of God does. That's how God designed it. And that design is reflected in that growing family that starts in Genesis and moves to Revelation, but it manifests itself on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and in, in middle of the week gatherings and relationships that are connected to membership in a local church. So in view of de-churching or unchurching, how should Christians respond? I would hope, I mean, I feel like, I mean, this is an old church word, but I, I would hope that we as Christians would be catechized, instructed, taught what the church is and why it works. I mean, I wrote the book to offer a form of catechesis to help Christians understand what it is and why it matters for every Christian. I just don't know if we know that anymore. Um, and so the next generation or so will need to re-instruct that and then to begin to implement that by living that out. Because um, ultimately, to say a person has a personal relationship with Jesus is to speak about how a person becomes a Christian, not how a person lives as a Christian. If Jesus is at the center of your life, a local church is at the center of your life. And churches are imperfect, just as we are imperfect. But that is God's sacred institution that he made for us to minister to others, for us to receive ministry, and for us to worship him. And to any neglect of that is not just going beyond what Scripture is instructing and teaching, denying it really, but it also is detrimental to the life of the individual Christian. You're listening to Dr. Mickey Klink. Dr. Klink is the senior pastor of Hope Church in Roscoe, Illinois. He served for a decade of teaching at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University in Southern California. When we come back from our break, we're going to go further. We're talking about his book, The Local Church. It's certainly a timely book. He talked about catechizing or instructing. Even if you think you know about the local church, it is a book to read. I've been not only encouraged, but I've been instructed. I've been reminded. I would encourage you to get this book. It's available at Amazon.com, other major uh, platforms. Again, The Local Church by Mickey Klink. Stay with us. We'll be right back. During the road of desperate life, they must beneath the barren sky. Leave it to me. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 
Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Dr. Mickey Klink uh, wrote the book, the, the Local Church, what it is and why it matters to every Christian. After, after nearly a decade of teaching at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University there in Southern California, Dr. Mickey Klink was led to transition from the professorate to the pastorate. He served as the senior pastor of Hope Church since July of 2014. He joins us today. Dr. Mickey Klink, find out more about him at hefc.net. His books are available at amazon.com, especially the book, The Local Church, what it is and why it matters to every Christian. Mickey, in what ways is the church the body of Christ. And I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and, and why the metaphor? Yeah, there's a, there's a real embodiment uh, theme you find in Scripture. Jesus, right? God is distant, and God is di- removed. And you think of Old Testament, this progressive revelation of God's Word, where God is on a mountain that can't be touched and can't be looked at. And then you see this movement of God in God coming in, the incarnation, God dwelling, tabernacling with us. Again, there's that temple image again. And ultimately, that manifests itself with the body of Christ, uh, this image of the church, which is literally born out of his body, belongs to him. So that should manifest itself, not just in the theology of Jesus's divinity and body and resurrection, but also of the nature of the church, uh, that we are physical beings. That's that's why it's called local, located church. It's not just uh, theoretical uh, or abstract. And that's why it, it manifests itself in physical touch and hugs and embracing the reality of what it means to be human. So the church is supposed to display what the fullness of humanity looks like in word and deed. And the body of Christ not just is teaching on that, but is imploring it in what we do. So when you say the fullness of humanity, does that come with the bumps, the kinks, the, the, the hurtful words, the misunderstandings? Is that all included in there? Absolutely. Like uh, pastors have talked about the already but not yet. Like it's already been, Christ has already won. Uh, it's already begun. The new creation is slowly at work in us individually, slowly among us but it's not yet. My wife is a believer, and she loves Jesus Christ, and she is serving Him in many ways. At the same time, she her body is atrophying. She's losing her muscles, and eventually it will be what takes her life away unless the Lord Himself miraculously were to intervene. And the reality is there's that already, but not yet. 
And so the church is full of those things, of sinful comments and people who are young in their faith and people who are selfish. And it's also the place where God is at work in us, just like with siblings, that you don't dump just because they said or did something they shouldn't do. So the church is where there's grace and forgiveness and the common Lord's Supper table where all that reconciling, not just with God, but with one another happens. So would this not be one of the reasons why people in a, a bit of movement in life choose to deconstruct or unchurch or dechurch, I should say, because of bad experiences in the body of Christ? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's probably a couple reasons, and others could speak on that better than, than myself. I mean, there's clearly the reality of an anti-authoritarian, anti-gravitas right now in our culture that is part of it. But it is unavoidable that there has been there has been greed and hypocrisy and abuse and lots of suffering. The, the question I would ask is, do, does that same principle apply to every other institution and every other relationship? So does that happen in, and maybe, and maybe for some people it does, the moment their spouse offends them, they're done with them. Or the moment their brother or a father or a mother offends them, they're done with them. Or as a reality is that healthy engagement, especially and certainly for a Christian, is a forgiveness and growth and healthy conversation, healing, and even, even discipline. Like the church should discipline those who have hurt others, wounded, failed to be appropriate. All of that should happen in a healthy marriage. All of that should happen in a healthy friendship and a family. And all of that is and should happen in the local church. Mickey, I want to shift here a bit. I mean, I'm following, still following your book. You write about Christ's power and Christ's. You talk about Matthew 28. How should the church respond to the Great Commission? Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a real reality where the the message of the of the gospel the work of the christian church should happen in word and deed um i I, i've taught my church the language of special grace and common grace uh the special grace each of those words special and common the the first letter special grace is what only comes through jesus as savior s and so the church should be pro- proclaiming the gospel, faith in Christ, the need for reconciliation with God, the whole theme of adoption we've already spoken about. Yet the church also should be administering God's common grace, see common what, what comes from God as creator. Uh, so there should be the love and the help and the assistance and the neighbor. So Christ's main commands, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, is about acknowledging him as Savior, Love your neighbor as yourself is, is acknowledging him as creator. And, and those two ministries, a ministry of special grace and a grace, really get at the commissioning act that Jesus gives to his disciples and teaches them throughout the gospel. Special grace and common grace. What about ambassadors? Being Christ's ambassador, do you talk about this from Second Corinthians 5? What is the primary assignment, Mickey, of the church? Yeah, yeah, the reality is when, I mean, if you look at that big story of the Bible picture, when when humanity fell all the way back to Genesis 4 through Genesis 12, God, Cain started the first city, the kingdom of humanity, which eventually was called Babel, Babylon, and God in Genesis 
12 is starting the kingdom of God. And that, that theme, that theme of God's kingdom runs through Scripture. If you were to summarize Jesus' preaching message, you would have to say it's the kingdom of God. So that, that's, the, that's the theme of his message. That, that reality is that we are an embassy. Like our, a church is an embassy of God's kingdom. It might be in America or in, in, in the Chicago, Rockford, Illinois area where I'm at or in Boston or wherever in the world. We went to a Baptist church in St. Andrews, Scotland there. But wherever country it's in, it's like an embassy. It's like you might go to in the U.S. or in when we were in Scotland and our son was born, we went to a U.S. embassy to have him acknowledged by the U.S. And even though we were in Scottish soil and in, in, in the city of Edinburgh, we, we, we were hearing Texas and New York, all these American, because it was considered America's ground. Uh, the church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. It's this international collection of all God's people that are worshiping together, and we are ambassadors of God's kingdom. And so the reality of that church must come to play in the way we think about who we are, our identity, even as aliens and strangers in our own hometown and country, but also as the work that we're intending to do as God's ambassadors to the world. You've written a timely book, and it's a have you here to share not only to read your work, but to hear you speak, Mickey, I've, I've heard of your, the abilities and it's been an honor to have you with us today. What did Lori say on your first day as a pastor? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I mean, I, she, as a pastor's daughter, was, you know, I, I, I felt this pull. I mean, quick story. I she saw the ugliness of church as a pastor's daughter. And when, when she and I were dating and moving toward marriage and I was in, moving in the academic track, she actually told me she was thankful for that because she saw the beating her dad took in pastoral ministry. Um, and then I remember we were serving in our church in California while I was a professor, but we were just, I was part-time in my church. And I, I said to her, I said, I was really feeling the pull of the local church. And she was, that concerned her a bit. And I said to her, I said, if the Lord's going to move me, he's going to move you. And I, I, I was convinced of that. And it, it wasn't for another 18 months or so till she, on her own, without me, I knew I was not going to pressure her on this. This was going to be of the Lord. When we came home from church and she said to me, I think I'm ready. I said, I, you're ready for what? She goes, I'm, I'm ready for the shift to the local church. And I, I, I get this position at the church I'm at now, sitting in the very office I was sitting in when I had this conversation, and I, I got there the first day, and I'd never done this full-time before. I, did, I didn't know all the dynamics. I, I, I'd, done, I'd done the professorate, not the pastorate. I was learning. So I called my wife around midday, and I said, I'm not even sure exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And she, with a bit of more experience as a pastor's daughter, said, well, don't worry. Uh, I'm pretty sure what you need to do will be coming to, do, to you real quick. And literally that very day, somebody walked in the office and I began to see all the ways that ministry is supposed to happen in an embodied way, in a personal way, through visits, through counseling, through ministering through hospitals. But she knew you don't have to go looking for it. Uh, as a Christian and specifically as a pastor, there is more than enough ministry to do's uh, on your list. And I was just thankful for her wisdom and insight. I appreciate it that you, the way you wrote it and that you wrote it. Because you talked about the distinction of being and doing. Dr. Mickey Klink, yeah. 
is uh, the author of several books. You can find out more about him at hefc.net. When we come back in our final segment. So why does the church exist? What is the ministry of presence? These things and so much more, so rich, so much texture available at Dr. Mickey Klink's book, The Local Church, what it is and why it matters to every Christian. Available on Amazon.com and book distributors everywhere. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky Leave it to me This is Danny Yamashiro. Don Pick Benson wrote, When I was growing up, my dad was a farmer, not a Christian. He had little interest in faith, having been told by his father that the Bible was a fairy tale. But then a local pastor took an interest in my dad, asking if he could help plow the fields on the weekend. That one act of service spoke louder than words ever could to my dad. By his actions, The pastor made my dad feel loved, and that did more than any preaching could have. He didn't need convincing about the theological correctness of the Bible. He needed to feel God's love for him. This pastor met that need in a practical way, and that's evangelism. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Dr. Mickey Klink is the author of several books on a range of topics, including biblical theology, the Gospel of John, and the church. He's the author of the book, The Local Church, What It Is, and why it matters to every Christian. You, you, may, you may find it particularly helpful. He has a section at the end of the book called 20 Common Questions About the Local Church. Uh, he, he goes deeper and is able to explain things that may be troubling you even as we speak, but troubling towards growth, hope, and purposefulness. Find out more at Amazon.com. And look, if you're tuning in right now, maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, this program is available for you at drdanny.live. Just Spotify, major podcast platforms, the podcasts are available for you there. Mickey, why does the church exist? The local church is the sacred instrument God created for him to love and grow you and for you to love and grow in him. And ultimately the local church, a local church, a person's local church, not just any, but your local church is the primary people and place where your relationship with God happens, where your relationship with Christian family happens and where you are assigned to do ministry and missions. So it, it to me, it's, 
biblically impossible to do the Christian life, to receive the ministry of the Christian faith, and to worship God properly without the local church. Spoken so clearly, distinctly. What is the ministry of presence? I, I, in the book, I spend some time fleshing out 1 Peter 2, 9, which gives four categories or identity markers of the, the church, the Christian. It's, it's plural. It's speaking to the church, and it's fitting for every local church. And one of them is that you are a chosen race. And that language in the early church was recognized as there's this distinct people. I mean, they actually look like everybody else. Remember what we talked about with the kingdom of God, this embassy, these aliens and strangers, even in their own land. Tertullian mentions this, that the state is filled with Christians, he said. They're in the field. They're in the citadels. They're military. They're in the islands, both sexes, every age and condition, even high rank, are passing over to the profession of the Christian faith. They were a ministering presence in every area of the world. And the reality is, is that's what a local church is. It's not just an embassy trying to be, be, be separated from the world. It is God's ministering presence, like salt and pepper, the salt of the earth, the light of the world in every corner, whether it's on small Chinese churches that are meeting in secret to massive cathedrals, to the average church with a white steeple in the U.S., whatever it may be. Their presence matters, their physical embodiment. They are the beginning of the new creation temple. And that is not just an identity, it's a ministry. You talk about presence, priests, pilgrims, proclamation. Say a bit about the church's role before we spend some time in prayer. Yeah, the church ultimately has it has a job description. I, I think that First Peter 2, 9 passage specifically offers us a bit of a job description to see the reality of the church. Uh, they have a ministry of presence. They're meant to inhabit the local community with gospel intentionality as the dwelling holy temple of the Lord. They are to be ministering priests, serve as God's ambassadors in the community, and spiritual ministers in the congregation under the high priesthood of Christ. They are to be ministering pilgrims. They oversee the congregation's allegiance to Christ and his kingdom as the international and eschatological end-time people of God. And finally, they have a ministry of proclamation. They administer the institutional forms of God's covenant people for the work of the gospel. And those three or four ministries are central to what it means to do the church. Every Christian should be participating in those, and every Christian should be receiving those, and that is God's sacred design, this instrument, this institution called the local church. A parting shot before we go into prayer. And I'd like for you to pray about someone who has received news in their life in one degree or another. As you've received news, you and Laura mm -hmm. have received news. But someone today is listening and they're saying, hey, I, I concur with everything Dr. Klink is saying. I'm living that out or I'm pursuing that. I love the local church. I'm serving in the local church. Someone else is thinking about de-churching. Hmm. They are a done. They, are, they might even be unchurching or have already bought in 
to the church free movement. A parting shot to a dear brother or sister or friend. A parting shot. Um, I would say to that individual, certainly their brother or sister in Christ, that God, even in a broken and fallen world, he is calling forth his people to gather. That's what literally, ecclesia, the called out. And that gathering is what his intentions are for all of creation. And that even though it is a broken world and we are broken people and there are broken individuals and churches, that God's design will not fail, even if we try to and do some damage to it. And that they should commit themselves to the Lord, trusting in his design, which is hard to do and might even cause some pain and look for a healthy biblical gospel preaching, teaching, family mentality church in which to be ministered to and ultimately to minister through. Um, And I I would hope that they could find that. That would be my hope and prayer. There are moments, Mickey, when people hit roadblocks in life, shocking news, dire circumstances. And instead of drawing near and drawing near and being enveloped by the church, they recoil from the church. Mm -hmm. You're in a moment like that. You're making a choice. Of course, some would say, well, he wrote the book. Well, in the tenderness of the broken moment, would you pray? Pray for someone who's making their own decision in this moment, even related with the local church, and pray for them in their pain, in their fear, in their brokenness. Yes, let's, let, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and how the whole biblical story points us to the beautiful moment we're even in right now. We know you have not renewed all creation yet. You've begun, even with individually with some of us, and we're working in your gathering church. Father, I pray for the person who is suffering, has been wounded by church or by Christians. I pray for those maybe even in a situation like mine where they've received some dire news, and they have a hard time trusting and relying on you. And I'm reminded of what the Apostle Peter said, words that have resonated with me over these last few months, where Peter says, so those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator. Father, help that man, that woman, that brother or sister, commit him or herself to their faithful Creator, trusting in Him. Father, give them the strength, help their unbelief, and provide resources and relationships that help facilitate that. Father, we thank You that You care for us more than we can imagine, and we ask for Your blessing in those individuals' lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray. We pray. Also, Lord, for Your touch on Laura, Your grace, we pray for healing. We pray for a miracle. Your intervening hand, grace upon grace, the supernatural power of Almighty God, grant grace of your sustenance and strength on Mickey. Fill Jacob and Benjamin and Ruth with the strength and courage to stand with Laura and fill her and lift her up. 
Thank you for their church, the local church, Hope Church. And I pray that as this word goes out, that many will be touched, many will be blessed. Thank you, Father, for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mickey, I appreciate you. And these are encouraging words. Thank you for having me. From Dr. Mickey Klink, hefc.net. My friend, God's timing is perfect. And there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. And subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or major podcast platforms. Romans 8.15 The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Mickey Klink, hefc.net. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.